Welcome to the podcast, where we provide regular interviews with pharmacy leaders, entrepreneurs, and members of the Platform Alliance Group. We cover the key challenges, opportunities, and practical solutions for pharmacy leaders. The pharmacy industry is a dynamic and vital part of the healthcare industry, impacting the lives of millions of Australians. But we know that success in this ever-evolving landscape requires more than just a prescription for medication. It calls for a unique blend of knowledge, adaptability, and a vision for the future. I'm your host, Melody Mugari, and together we will embark on a journey of empowerment, motivation, and growth. My guest today is proudly brought to you by the Platform Alliance Group, Australia's fastest growing community pharmacy group. Good morning. Good morning, Veronica. Good How are morning. you doing this morning? Good. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. Oh, it's lovely to actually have you. Um, so we've had a quick chat and I've had a bit of a deep dive into who you are. I've seen the amount of articles, including the videos you've done. Um, and I must say, I'm quite inspired. I am really inspired in hearing your story. So before we get started, can you tell me a bit about your background and what inspired you to become a pharmacist and a pharmacy owner? Well, thank you very much for saying that. That's very kind. Um, when I first uh, got to Australia and going through high school and university, um, I really didn't know very much about what I wanted to do at all. I think I was just kind of going day to day um, and trying to figure out where I fit in um, in this uh, well in the world. I think like every every yeah. time that. Yeah, I, I'm sure you would have been through similar things yourself. I, yes, um, I think I'm still going through it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we ever really go past that, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, pharmacy uh, is something I fell into at the beginning almost by accident, really. My family, uh, you know, uh, my parents came from a healthcare background um, and uh, in Cambodia, uh, to be a pharmacist is something that's considered to be, well, right up there, you know, a very, very prestigious oh, occupation. And um, my father, although he is actually, funnily enough, he ended up becoming a GP. It really isn't what he wanted to do. He really wanted to be a pharmacist and was actually studying pharmacy at university, but um, that sadly did not work out for him. So when I came... So Becoming a GP was a second option for him? Was his second option, um, his third option, actually. A third option, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Long story short, he was studying pharmacy. He got into a fight with one of his university lecturers. You know, when you're a, a young, hot-tempered guy, these things will happen. So he was kicked out of the, the, the pharmacy degree. So he kind of went, oh, well, what can I do? So he ended up moving into medicine instead. But he always had that, that you know, that dream. So when I yes. ended up, um, you know, at that point in my life of not knowing what to do, uh, he was like, oh, Veronica, you know, it would be so great for you to be a, a pharmacist, you know. And I was, live you know, my Live my dreams through you, daughter. Yeah, well, you know, it was, it was something that was unfulfilled and something he'd always aspired to be. And, you know, like every child who's looking for a bit of direction, I was like, sure, why not? Um, and then when I went into university, I didn't really, I think, understand the potential behind it. I was really, really lucky. And then I ended up, um, once I started working in pharmacy, um, I really, really enjoyed it. It really helped ground me. It helped me figure out uh, who I am to a certain degree, helped me figure out my place. I started to see the the good things that I could do and the, the positive differences yes. that I could make in other people's lives so I really embraced it from that point so although not every child will say this um willingly or publicly hey dad guess what you were right thank you <laughs> you were right well, you must... okay. so how does he feel when he comes to visit your stores yeah 
Oh, well, I hope that he's proud. I hope that he's proud of, you know, the things that we've done. We're not a very demonstrative bunch, but I, I like to think that he is proud of the, the things that, that I've uh, done up to this point in my life. Oh, that's amazing. And I'm sure that every lesson that you have had or every challenge or every experience you've had translates into what you do day by day. Um, you mentioned that you came, you're from Cambodia. Yes. Uh, obviously, I've read up and have read that you were a refugee and you actually came to Australia in 1991. Yes. And since then, you got a scholarship into a private girls' school and you graduated from the University of Sydney in 2004 and became a registered pharmacist in 2005. Uh, but that journey from... Oh, is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I don't remember. I feel almost as though you're referring back to the distant past. It's true what they say that pharmacy is actually a vocation. It absolutely It's not a profession, is. it's a calling. It absolutely is. I, I think sometimes, um, especially in recent times, it's become obvious that it really has to be in order, in order sometimes for us to be able to deal with some of the things that we have to deal with. Hey, you wouldn't do this yes, just for kicks. But yeah, but gosh, that was a, a long time ago indeed. Um, my 12-year-old would be rolling her eyes around about now. <laughs> mom, as if. <laughs> So since yeah. graduating and becoming a registered pharmacist, you became co-owner of a store. Could you tell me a little bit about the store that you own and subsequently another store that you purchased after that? Because you are actually a Platform Alliance group member. So tell me about the two stores that you own. Right. So it's a little more complicated than that. When I graduated university, I was uh, really, really lucky to get an internship, um, the internship here um, with a preceptor by the name of Lynn Bronger, who was really, really, and who still is today, really, really smart, really, really cluey woman. And she really believed in giving her um, pharmacy um, interns the best experience, the best learning experience that she possibly could. So there were a number of different pharmacies that she and her husband, John, owned, uh, you know, in regional Australia, you know, in the Hunter Valley and Newcastle and also in metropolitan areas in Chalora, you know, a few other places. And um, she rotated uh, me through all of those different stores. So I had uh, several months uh, working and learning and absorbing everything that I could in all different places. And it was really, really something, really an eye-opener. So after I completed my internship there, I stayed working around Newcastle and Musselbrook, you know, around Hunter Valley for a year or so after that. And then I began doing locum work, you know, uh, around that area and um, coming back to Sydney and going south, um, down the south coast and a few other places as well. And um, after I had, I felt absorbed as much as I could, you know, which yeah. now looking back, I realised was a really silly thing to think because I'd only been locoming for two or three years and I thought I knew everything, you know. Um, I went, okay. Now is the time. I think I'm competent enough to own a pharmacy for myself, you know. Yes. And I went actually um, as a sole trader and purchased a very, very small, very, very rundown pharmacy in Colleton, which I still have today. That was my first store, uh, Colleton Centre Pharmacy. Um, and, wow, that was a very, very steep learning curve as well. <laughs> yeah, I had that um, hubris of, of youth, of thinking that I knew everything. Oh, my God. I, I, I knew nothing. I knew nothing at 25, 26, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. um, um, it was a very, very small pharmacy. We were lucky to see 40 scripts in a day, you know. I would, yeah. people would be coming in, I would have finished dusting all the shelves and I was doing all the ordering by hand and, you know, um, I, I had time to sit and watch a movie, 
during the course of the day. It was that quiet. Yeah. But no, I built it up. You know, yes. and it started to do better and I was trying different things and I was realizing just, geez, there's so much more to pharmacy even than what I thought. There's, there's so many different, you know, uh, intricate and complex and interesting and challenging aspects to all different parts of pharmacy. Um, uh, a very, very long story short, uh, got married a year later. Um, yeah the business was doing better we were you know we really changed and um what the business was about in that time and i really at that point was coming up with my philosophy for what i wanted to do as a community pharmacist which was really embrace the community aspect of it you know not yeah. just here's your script you know, make yeah. don't have grapefruit juice with it, very good, off you go. But really trying to look at each person who came in the door as a whole and try and problem very solve true. as many of the different things as I could, really link into Colleton and the St Mary's and the, the Penrith City area um, as a community, you know, develop links with schools and community groups and all those sorts of things, you know. Then, um, you know, uh, took a, a you know a bit of a, a break to have the kids and uh, my husband who uh, you know by that time had become a pharmacist as well he was looking over the store for me and yes. then uh, after the kids were old enough to stand up by themselves you know then I, I went to myself hey you know what this is a great idea you know, the first pharmacy is doing pretty well and everything's running well. Why don't I make my life even harder for myself? <laughs> you know? Because what I discovered is that during that time, even with the pharmacy and the three children, and by then I was getting into refugee advocacy work, which I think it was just a natural continuation of, of my life and what I'd started um, with you know, our community engagement with the pharmacy. I was like, you know what? Yes. I'm going to do all of this again. I have plenty of time. That's fine. I can do this. Yeah, sure. And then I, yeah, uh, we uh, were lucky enough that the pharmacy in the next suburb along came on the market. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, decided I'd repeat the whole process there. Um, and Sounds like a yeah. plan. Yeah, <laughs> it was not really a plan. It was very, very... <laughs> It was, it was more kind of like a, a skeleton of a plan, if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah, there are definitely things that I would have done differently, but at the time, uh, it did make sense. Tell me something, with the first pharmacy, because you were doing 40 scripts, yes. what one thing did you do to build it up? And what number of scripts is it doing today? Ooh, um, we easily cracking 200 on most days. Um, what did I do to build it up? What, what, yeah, what changed it from 40 to 200? I what do you think was the driving force? Um, me? <laughs> That's a terrible answer. No, no. Be honest, yep. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. Let's be honest, you know, because I know that people who are listening to this podcast, I'm sure that they want ideas on what yes. to do to build up their own professional careers but when i say me i don't mean it's just because me because i'm just awesome um i think it's because i had spent so much time learning and embracing different aspects of pharmacy that i really had developed a strong understanding of what i was good at and what i'm rubbish at of which there are many things um, and what I'm really good at is developing a really good rapport with people who come in, not just mm -hmm. chatting about their day, um, not the very surface level stuff, but um, looking at the needs of a, a person and then engaging the links that we have with the community to try to offer a more whole solution right so yes. 
Yeah, I had been through, I had worked in pharmacies that were high volume, low service, if you know what I mean, like not really in yeah. professional services. It's more transactional. It's more transactional. And I mean, I can do it, but I don't enjoy it. It's, you know, I, I know what can be very mean. efficient at it, but it's not really what I like. Um, yeah. I had worked in pharmacies that had a very, very strict professional approach. And that's not a bad thing either. You know, I'm talking about the places that, you know, you're on the raised platform and you're in the white coat and you have all the fancy business cards and the letters after your name and everybody's quite regimented, you know. And um, I mean, again, I can do that, but my natural personality isn't really that way. I'm much more yeah. extroverted and yeah. I've always been a little uncomfortable with the idea of the first role of the pharmacist as being a gatekeeper, the gatekeeper of medication, of medicine. I mean, that's also true. It's very, very important. But I feel as though sometimes it's overemphasized in what we do. Um, I think the reason we became so successful was because we wanted our pharmacy to be um, uh, focusing on patient advocacy. We're here, you know, trying to help you solve your problems. So if you come in and you want this, and for whatever reason, you know, and a very good clinical reason, I have to say no, then I don't just say to them, no, you can't do this, um, out you go, or no, you can't do this. If you want anything else, go talk to the doctor. I would try and work with them and go, okay, you can't do this. It's a bad idea because X, Y, Z, but here are your other options. These are the things that you could do instead. Uh, if you know what I mean, I'm trying to work with people you know you're trying to find a solution for them you just it's not just a no it's a no but let's see what we can do exactly you know like let's see what we can do you know oh you can't get into the pain clinic for this period of time they've got this much of a waiting list yeah that's a problem you know and these tablets that the doctor is giving you aren't doing a, a a complete job okay yeah. what other options do you have and it doesn't have to be a product-based thing it can be you know um this group have a walking group you know every second thursday let's link you up with them you know i know this person they come in and visit you know uh all the time they've left me their business cards maybe you guys can get together at one of our community lunches that we're arranging and you guys can sit and chat it out or you know or you're a man who's come in who's very nervous to go anywhere without his companion animal but you can't go and chat at a men's shed uh, around the corner because they have a very strict animal policy you know mm -hmm. it, you know okay i mean you can just use this product and that product to try and help you deal. But also how about, you know, you come in and do you meet this person and chat with this group? Like, let's find you different options. You know, we would. So you actually connect the, you connect the patient to the community as well. I really, really try. I'm a really big believer in you can't be a whole person on your own. Uh, I feel like the community part of the two words community pharmacy is just as important a strength as the word pharmacy and it yes. should be overlooked and I feel that quite often it really really is but community pharmacy's strength is in the people that we're looking after right so if we are only looking at this one part of them not embracing them as a whole then neither of us are going to get the best results. We do our best to look after them and we find that in return that they do their best to look after us. And that has always been our most powerful strength. And sometimes that means that 
I don't come across as Veronica, the professional pharmacist and the Ben Casey with my buttons done up and that sort of a thing. Sometimes I'm just me, but mm -hmm. that um, aspect of they get to know me just Veronica as who I am has also yeah. been a, a really, really powerful thing for building that trust and building rapport and giving them a good reason to want to keep coming back to see me. Yeah. I'm sorry, I know that's quite an in-depth explanation. No, and it's a perfect one because you're a woman after my own heart. I have never been a pharmacist who is just transactional. I totally hear you when you say that when a patient comes in, there's more to them than just the prescription that you're handing out. Yeah. There's more to that person. And that's what makes work worthwhile, actually, to be honest. Yeah, if you're absolutely. gonna concentrate purely on just the transaction, you're gonna get burnt out very fast. Exactly, people um, do not have loyalties to transactions. People don't have rapport with transactions, you know. That's not what community pharmacy should be about. And I hope that it isn't, uh, and I hope that in this country it never will become that way. Yeah, but community is, is where it's at. Yeah, that exactly. <laughs> So you've got two pharmacies right now. I do. Um, Morrison Care and Advice Pharmacy was the second pharmacy that came yeah. after you had an epiphany of, I can definitely open a second pharmacy yeah. after raising babies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have three small kids, you know, I have a, a husband who I very much adore, you know, um, but also sometimes it's also great to have a little bit of space as a, a whole independent adult and i also feel it was a really great idea for our marriage for us to not necessarily be <laughs> in each other's faces all the time so i won't lie there was that aspect of it yeah our styles are very very different but very complementary yeah so these days um uh, he has a much more active role at colleton center pharmacy and um, Morris Care and Advice Pharmacy, which is in Oxley Park, which is, you know, really next door, five minutes down the road. Um, that is, uh, I suppose, our baby of the two pharmacies. Um, it's yeah. five, six years old now, and we're building it up and we've used the same approach, which I think is a really, really good approach considering the demographics of the area. It's um, not an affluent area. It's definitely one that could use a lot of support, all the support that it can get, really. And um, we've found it to be really, really successful. So are they, so they're both advantage pharmacies or one is an advantage, one is a power? Uh, one of them at the beginning was just purely independent, which was Colleton, and we eventually became a pharmacy alliance. Part of our strategy was that when I went into the second pharmacy was that we did want to niche just a little bit. We didn't necessarily want to cannibalize uh, too much, although we're still working very much cooperatively. But it's nice for us to take advantage of different strengths. So I won't say the name of the banner group that the pharmacy was with, the second pharmacy that I went into, but it was yeah. much more retail focused. Um, it was cataloging, uh, it was stock allocations. Um, you get the idea. And um, yeah. that was pretty much uh, all of the offering uh, of that group, you know, the group buys it sort of a thing. and. It just felt, uh, although again, there's nothing wrong with that approach, you know, it didn't feel as though that was what I was after. It, it didn't work very well with what I was trying to do. So we actually uh, came across to Advantage, um, which was such a fantastic decision on our behalf. And I'm quite shameless in saying that I have found the Advantage group to be so wonderful uh, a support you know it's going to sound a little bit like an ad you're welcome to cut this part out but I don't know. yeah but especially um you know because i went into that pharmacy and i joined advantage and i joined it just the right time just before the pandemic and the sort of support that they were offering was really really helpful mm -hmm. in running the day-to-day -day 
aspects of the pharmacy like we we couldn't get ppe what were we going to do well advantage was helping to source that um we were struggling to find hand sanitizer there was so much information that was changing so fast and advantage were putting together the information summarizing it and sending it out to us just trying to make it as easy as possible you know fantastic so we found that that style you know was was much better because they were also looking at community pharmacy as a whole you know exactly. to solve all of the different aspects of the problem and um then uh very fortuitously advantage and pharmacy alliance decided to combine their strengths so now here we are again together it's, it's all back again yeah so we were strictly speaking they were pharmacy alliance and, and we were advantage but now we're all just one big happy family again yes we are um you brought up COVID and some of the insights that pag well platform alliance group uh, supported you with but as a pharmacist during COVID with two pharmacies and you were deeply embedded in the community and all of a sudden we were at a stage where our patients couldn't come in or needed us the most, but they were told to stay at home. What insights did you sort of, how did you change? How did you adapt? How did you, did you have to change to adapt your model for pharmacy to accommodate all of the regulations that were happening? Did you have to sort of pivot a little bit? What can, what did you learn from the pandemic? I just learned to work hard, let me put it that way. And that I, and that we are actually an underutilized resource within the community. That's one thing that I clearly saw that we were like as pharmacists prior to the pandemic, we probably weren't valued as much, but then the pandemic definitely showed that everyone else can go and work from home, but not pharmacists. That wasn't a luxury we had, and it wasn't something I think even if we had the option to do, we would have done. COVID was such um, an, obviously an insane time. And um, it was really, really, is challenging the right word? Heart-wrenching at times, wanting to pull my own hair out at times. Um, it was such a difficult time. I really don't know if I would go back and if I would do the same things, if the same thing happened again, you know, next year or something like that. Oh, heaven forbid. Um, <laughs> we, we really went all out uh, in trying to help the community cope with it because um, I will say that Although I, I love my local community so much, um, gosh, mm. there are so many issues with health literacy and poverty and um, all of the social issues that you um, might expect to find in such an area. There's certainly a, a dearth of um, health services in the area as well. So, Veronica, you've done a lot of work in the space for refugees, and that probably stems from the fact that you yourself came to Australia as a refugee. Could you tell me, how did you get into yes. Mums for Refugees, and what sort of work does it do for the community? Oh, God, I am so proud of Mums for Refugees and the, the women that I'm working alongside, I feel as though in my life, I've always been surrounded, I've been so privileged to be surrounded by these really resilient, you know, intelligent, you know, powerful and, and generous women, you know, in pharmacy and now in refugee advocacy as well. Um, I got into refugee advocacy um again by accident i suppose i was at home uh with my first child and it was a big adjustment um after stepping back for a little time from the pharmacy you know pharmacy is so intellectually stimulating and mentally challenging 
And it's very, very difficult, I think, for for other women in pharmacy. I'm sure we've all had the same experience where you step back to the home life and you're really having to readjust the level at which you're operating on. And it's um, a difficult connection, uh, a difficult time, I think, a difficult adjustment for some. So I did what um, uh, many, many, many people do, which is I started spending more time on Facebook. Um, and at the time, Australia had a lot of uh, people who were being held in offshore detention in places like Manus and Nauru. And, you know, I was a refugee myself. And I know uh, firsthand the experience and I know some of the challenges that they go through. And it really, really disturbed me as a new mother, you know, holding my own precious child in my arms, looking at them and thinking to myself, if life was different, you know, then I could be in the same position as any one of these mothers now who was trapped you know, uh, through no fault of their own. Like they did nothing that I didn't do or that my own family didn't do um, to try to survive, you know, to try and bring your children up in a place where you knew that they would have a decent chance at not just a good life but at survival. And to see some of the the really terrible things that were being said, you know, it, it tore at me, you know. And um, like any reasonable person, um, I started fighting with people online in the comments because that's exactly. what people So your first do. fight was um, on, online? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> first thing you do is that you get oh. on there and you're just like there, you know, the thumbs go at like 100 miles an hour, just going, oh, like, that's it. And I think that because I was um, a vocal person and um, – I think I've always been um, perhaps a little bit too big of a mouth. Um, I attracted the attention of uh, this group, Mums for Refugees, which had um, really already established themselves, but they were a much younger group. And they were like, hey, you know, we see you online all the time. You seem very knowledgeable. We're really interested in your experiences. You're very articulate. You yeah. know, you're obviously really passionate. Would you like to come meet us and, you know, um, maybe there's a chance here for you to do some good? And I was a little hesitant to begin with and then I saw that this was a, a group that was really very female-focused. You know, it was a very female-oriented space. I mean, it's in the name, like Mums for Refugees. And I learned a bit about them and it had started out that there were four women, you know, who were at playgroup together who were also aware of what was going on and were feeling the same things that I did, like it's not right. You know, there's other women out there, you know, who there's a boy that's fallen over and broken his arm and he can't get uh, medical treatment, you know. They're having to shower with their families in open spaces with guards watching them. It's not right. They, they were like, you know what, we're tired of talking about our handbags. Like let's get together and start up this group and do something about it. You know, so... At the invitation, I joined them and, you know, uh, fast forward to all of these years later, we have uh, really, really taken off, you know, the so many like-minded women have joined us, you know, and we've made sure that it's safe, a safe space for them to join us with their children, you know. We are not going down the street throwing things or kicking cans, we are meeting politicians, talking to them, you know, with their family going, they are mothers and we are mothers and we are, we're all human, you know, we all bleed the same. We have the same cares and concerns about our children, you know. We feel strongly this. We are running now playgroups for other women, refugee women and asylum seeker women where they have the chance to meet and talk and practice their English while their children are being watched. We are working with amazing uh, pro bono legal justice groups like the National Justice Project who are doing free health care and refugee advocacy legal cases pro bono for people. We are fundraising. We're visiting people in detention. We are getting out and talking about policy. You know, so many different things, so many different aspects. 
We're working with other groups where we're taking uh, goods and donations. You know, people were giving us uh, wonderful clothes and hampers. There's um, a food bank service, you know, the Mama, Pant uh, Mama Penny mobile food pantry where people can come uh, once a week and for no cost or like a voluntary gift of $5, they're going home with a big box of $150 worth of whatever they need, fresh food, uh, fresh fruit and vegetables, nappies, uh, cooking oil, sugar, flour, whatever they need. Yeah. So many different things, so many different aspects to it. And of course, like always, we're still online, um, responding in a more reasonable way these days, I hope, to other people commenting on Facebook, doing what we can to yeah. combat the misinformation, you know, to, that people can see that, you know, these aren't, you know, the, the boogeyman. They're just people like, like you and me, and they're not doing anything that you or I wouldn't do in the same situation to take Very care true. of the people that we love. It started off as four yeah. women, and now the organisation has over 4,000 yes. women actively volunteering across Australia. That's actually quite amazing. Yeah, I'm so privileged to be uh, a part of it. It's uh, a registered, you know, uh, charity. You know, uh, you can look the group up on Facebook. You're willing to uh, spend a little bit of time to come and see what it's all about. We certainly always invite people to do that. Um, come along, help pack some food boxes or come along and just chat or just come along with your kids and blow bubbles with us. You know, absolutely will do that as well. I might take you up on that offer, actually, and just come and, you know, pack some, Amazing. pack a box, pack a box. Yeah, and then just whatever, yeah, whatever needs done, because I'm sure there's more to it than just food. Um, sometimes it's a someone listening, just someone listening. Absolutely, yeah. Do as much or as little as you're comfortable with. That's what we always say to people. If the best that you can do is like like a post on Facebook, fine. But if the if you can, what if you want to come hang out with us and sort some baby clothes, you know, make some cute kids, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I really do liken it to the pharmacy experience because just like we are looking at our community and trying to problem solve for them, trying to help them, you know, not trying to just be gatekeepers, but trying to help solve the yes. solve the issue, you know, look at a person's issues and look yes. at the person, really, you know, it's, it's just a, a slightly differently focused yeah. community of people. Yeah, but very much the, the same the same idea at heart. As we conclude this podcast, and you know what? I think I've even just scratched the surface of you, Veronica. I, I there's, there's so much, and I'm <laughs> gonna probably have to have you as a guest once again because we've only just scratched the surface of who you really are and the amazing achievements you've just made in the community. We haven't even talked about the health literacy components that you've oh. done within the community because of the location of your pharmacies. And you've actually mentioned that Morrison Care and Advice and Advice Pharmacy, there's so much, there's so many different demographics. Health, li health literacy can be a, an issue and you need to be able to sit down with that patient oh. and make sure they are taking their medication correctly. Oh God, yes, yeah, absolutely. Happy anytime. Yeah, wait, it was such I've got a pleasure. Two more questions for you. You can't run away that fast. Hold oh. up. Two more questions. Two more. Bear with me. So it is a tradition with our podcast that we ask you two questions. One actually comes from a platform alliance group team member, and another one is from ChatGPT. So. <laughs> the first question oh, okay. comes from Jocelyn Morgan. She is actually a pharmacist coach within Platform Alliance Group. She has been she has actually been my intern in previous years and is very smart and hardworking. She follows your comments on the Early Career Pharmacist page on Facebook, and we stalked you yesterday. <laughs> I will admit, <laughs> and she would like to know. What is the funniest oh, patient story you have? 
Oh my god. I honestly So yesterday I think we were looking to give you a top ten. Yeah. I would what is it? I would like to preface this by saying that okay some people when they read what I post there and certainly there are posts that have been removed either by myself or by the moderators because I'm just like no this is like bad I'm gonna take this down but everything that I've written on there no matter what people say they're just like this would never happen in real life I'm telling you they're all true I could not make up any of the stuff that happens there and it just blows my mind sometimes but honestly I'm never mad afterwards I just love it to be honest I, I, yesterday, I think we were looking hilarious. at your post about the cephalexin yeah. and how you there was a report made because the oh. doctor had written f yes. I think and you gave ph as in simple spelling oh God, she was <laughs> she was enraged she was enraged okay I I do not, I can't, I can't pick a top one, but that one was, was quite a, a, a good one. There was a dentist, you know, who I, I don't know terribly well, but is, you know, lovely. And he had written for this woman that we had never seen before, uh, a script for Keflex antibiotics, Keflexin he had written. And she brought us in the script and she was, you know, like she was fine. She's like, oh, I'm just here for these antibiotics. We did all the normal questioning. Are you allergic to anything? You know, blah, blah, blah. I got all the details. And um, we asked her, as you always do, are you allergic to anything? Um, is Do you have a favorite brand that you like? And she just goes, you know, just like the generic brand, whatever, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And we thought that it was fine. It was fine. Like we did everything like normal. She left. She came back. And she was enraged. Oh there was steam gosh. coming out of her ears. <laughs> she was like, oh, you're trying to poison me. I'm going to report you. What is this that you've given me? And she's going to be, I'm allergic to penicillin. And, da -da -da -da. and I was like, okay, you know, it's not a penicillin. But we asked you, especially, we actually ask twice. Once when you hand it in and once when we give it out. Because, you know, sometimes people are just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she had specifically said to us, no, I'm not allergic to anything. And now she was coming back going, this is the wrong medication. I want Kefalexin spelt, you know, like the last time I had a box of Kefalexin, it was spelt with the letter S and it was a white tablet. And this one you're giving me is the green one. And we were like, okay, so what brand did you have last time? She said, you should know what I had last time. And we were like, we've never seen you before. I, I, I've never seen you before today. How would I know? How would I know that? She there was no rhyming with her, no reasoning with her. I showed her the box. Even the box that we had given her said Kefalexin spelt with a PH and Kefalexin spelt with the letter F, but no, she wouldn't have a bar of it. Oh, no. Look, some people, you know, when they're in that wow. state, there's no point. You just can't get through to that. She was demanding my manager. She was demanding, you know, all sorts of things. And I think possibly because you know i'm five foot tall and possibly because um like the majority of the pharmacy profession i'm female there is an assumption that the tall guy in the corner the uh, dispense tech is actually the manager so i think she was demanding to speak to him and it's always one of the great joys of my life to be able to spin around and <laughs> i am go, the manager <laughs> there is no there is no one else for you to talk to. It's just me. Good luck. You know, you clearly don't want to talk to me anymore. Yeah. I will not be engaging this anymore. Have a lovely life. If you need any more information, like you can look it up online. Thank you so much. I, you can't but speak as to a pharmacist, one, yeah. one thing no, you, there, I there think I've some. learned as a pharmacist throughout the years is you can't take things to heart. Sometimes it's pure lack of knowledge and you just have to put it down to lack of knowledge because if you take it on board it will just eat you up it's yeah it's not a reflection yeah. on you it's a reflection on that person's mental state and i have in the past and i still do make a sport sometimes of 
if I have a patient who comes in who is a cranky person, a, a grumpy or a grouchy person, then they're the ones that me I'm too. going to target. Me too. I you know, I'm like, that too. I'm and I'm like, I'm going to have you smile and we're going to be choking okay. by the time you walk out of this pharmacy. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. If I don't get you this time, I'm going to wear you down. I'm going to like, like snake. I'm going to get it. And over time, I will make you love me. And do you know so many of these people that I've done that with, they're the ones that realize that you've made the effort. They're so loyal. They really appreciate it. You know, once you've got them on your team, then they're, they're always right there with you. Mean. Um, I always was... make it a point that everyone who yeah. comes in, they you realize that they're going to have either a good experience or a bad experience. Let's make sure that it's always a good experience because mm -hmm. there's only two experiences you can have, good or bad. And so we're going to be good. And I always tell yeah, them we... this. Realize that sometimes you're the only person someone's going to speak to that day they don't speak to anyone else and Absolutely. also realize that when they come into their pharmacy into the pharmacy sometimes they've been given the worst news of their life so you've got to bear with them absolutely yeah we've got to have a bit of compassion it just comes back to caring for that other person you don't know what they've been through that day you don't know what's just happened you know um, I met a woman for the first time who came in and she was in such a state and, you know, even the other assistants were saying to me, God, you know, watch out, she's being such a cow. And then we really tried to approach her with compassion. It turned out that her son had just received news that he had a brain tumour, you know, just an hour before walking into the door. And, you know, uh, now we've approached her with compassion and now we've known the family so well we've run fundraisers in the family's behalf everyone's engaged with the school that he goes to you know now we're we're tight as you know and uh, it, it's just such a testament to how far you can go and the good that you can do if you can just have a little bit of compassion at that beginning That's in true. the beginning moment. well the last yeah. question yeah. of this morning is from chat gpt and ChatGPT would like to know if okay. you could invite three historical figures, living or dead, to a dinner party, who would they be and what would you want to discuss with them? Three historical figures. Wow, that is such a good question. So obviously not anybody who is alive No, it could be living or dead. Living or dead, okay. I would love to have, and I'm assuming that we can all whatever speak to language. each other, whatever language. I would love to have Genghis Khan because although he certainly has had many uh, negative things reported about him, like historically did very many negative things, he also was a great unifier and built this huge civilization and I'd really love to know uh, a mind that was that intelligent and that strategic and that could plan ahead on such an amazing scale. Yeah. That would be amazing. I would love to have Carl Sagan, who is um, a, a, an extremely well-known astrophysicist with such beautiful views on the universe, on science, on galaxy, on life. He really, I feel, um, made uh, many of the sciences that some might describe as higher sciences much more accessible to the mainstream, to the lay person. And his approach to the universe was also one of such love, you know. Um, he really acknowledged that... Um, being a part of the universe, he sometimes can feel really small, but he also reminded us that we are such an amazing part and such a miraculous part of existence. It's, you know, uh, such a wonderful and a loving and compassionate viewpoint to have and so unexpected from someone of a scientific background. The last person that I would like to have, let's have a Genghis Khan, Carl Sagan, 
Oh, I would love to have, oh, my God, there's so many interesting historical figures to choose from. Oh, Do I only have to choose that. three? It's a t- you're on a tight party. budget for this dinner party. We don't even know what you're serving. You could be serving welcome for all we know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to have... Uh, I'm going to say Cleopatra. Nice. Queen Cleopatra. I like that. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I think that's three people who really represent three very, very different aspects of life in the world and culture and time. She's always been such a fascinating woman. And I feel sad for yeah. her that she's been reduced down to being just a, 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 a yes. woman who was hot. She was you know, like, a leader. On. Yeah. I also agree with you. She was a leader. Yeah, she negotiated, uh, managed and ran a successful empire when so many of the odds were against her. She was influential. Um, Why is the important thing like her dating life? Come on. You know, she was an incredible, intellectual, powerful person. I would just love to hear more of that story through her own eyes and her achievements through her own eyes and not what, you know, men who just went you know i think um uh elizabeth taylor would be a great person to play her because she was hot and that was all there was to her nothing against elizabeth taylor but i'm just like this there's just so much more to who she is she's one of my favorite females in history yeah. actually cleopatra one of my favorites yeah uh, yes well woman. veronica thank you so much for your time this morning um i'm hoping that you will take me up on my me. offer to come and help out with Moms for Refugees, as well as a second podcast, because I would love to dive into more of that community pharmacy aspect. I think we speak the same language when it comes to that. And I I love (laughs) thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, such a pleasure. At Platform Alliance Group, We believe that success is not just about individual accomplishments, but also about lifting each other up. Together, we can build a thriving and prosperous pharmacy industry that meets the needs of the patients and supports the Australian health system. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. And don't forget to share, like, and leave us a comment if you have found this episode of value or have any feedback. The podcast is promoted through social media, LinkedIn, YouTube, and major podcast platforms. And each episode can be found at the Pharmacy View webpage with links to the guest contact and business details. So once again, thank you for joining us today on the podcast and see you soon.